one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, the salty confessionals that we love, we put them in our mind cart, we bring them right back up to you, and we share them with you. Oh no, I messed up. <laughs> you fell. You <laughs> didn't do it. My rhythm. He's busted. <laughs> and we share them with you, our dear prospectors at home. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. What up, what up, what up? Hey everyone. I feel like you were reading it this time and fucked it up. You know what, what it was? You reading was over there. I like just ran up the stairs and I was at like the apex of the statement to open the show. I just ran out of breath and you was ran like, out of breath, couldn't <laughs> breathe no more. The <laughs> stairs were too much. Yeah, it's too much. I feel for that me, they've been rough on me lately too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's when you know your physical fitness is at its peak when like going up the stairs in your house is mm. like, huh. I'm feeling a little something. <laughs> you know, you've been struggling when you're going downstairs and you're like, <laughs> I have like three flights of stairs in my house because I'm on the third floor. So it's like a lot. Yeah. Wow. A little humble brag for you. Yeah. My huge palatial estate <laughs> <Those> mansion. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. man. I'm just glad we could get to the episode. We We just had a business meeting, folks, and. Tony and I were like, could we please start the show? Could we please start yeah. the show? And Mike you just fuck, kept, you fuck right off, Sam. Mike just kept talking. <laughs> the the actual way this went down is the meeting started by me saying, Hey, could this be like more of like a 30 minute meeting instead of an promised. hour and 30 minute meeting? I never promised. And to do Sam that. was like, Yeah, totally, hundred percent I have that on recording. <laughs> no. And then uh, I'll let the prospectors at home guess how many minutes that uh, meeting went. It was not 30. It was not 30. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't. I just went downstairs and like chatted with my wife for a minute. She was like, how'd the recording go? And I was like, oh, we're about to start. And she was like, what were you doing up there? (laughs) I was like, oh, we we were doing like a business boys meeting, which is what we call our business meeting. (laughs) She was like, for two hours? I was like, it was like an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas whereas I went out and talked to my partner and I was like, you will not fucking believe this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have ideas, Mike. I have so many ideas, <laughs> yeah. and I I want to talk them through. Yeah, this is this is a tiny glimpse into like those evenings where we play games, and Nick logs off, and you log off, and Tony and I just kind of like keep chatting, and <laughs> that that is a glimpse of that. We talk for like two hours. <laughs> I mean, I'm down for that when we don't have a episode to record and edit afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Mm. We do have the edit tracks. Tracks makes sense. Also, has anyone else just been ripping collector boosters of the Lord of the Rings set? Uh, I'm so upset. I haven't gotten my box yet, and it's literally eating me alive. You haven't gotten your box? No. Brutal. Why didn't you just pick it up from your LGS, dude? Yeah. Because I don't fucking have an LGS. Wow. There isn't one. There's one like 30 minutes away or something that you told me about once that I need to go to. nothing. Well, I just didn't, I don't, I don't you know. You just didn't think to support your local gaming store? I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> Did you just text Jeff Bezos and say, hey, drop one off for me, bud? 
so I thought I had, <laughs> and like I was freaking out because I didn't see it or the commander decks that I went to to buy, and like they're more expensive now than when I bought them. Yeah, they're expensive, and mostly I was just like, I'm my fucking collector's box now. <laughs> So like I share an Amazon account with my best friend from home and his wife and she like manages it. And I'm like, Kathy, oh where is it? What I need it. Fucking I weird need situation. my cards. What a weird ass situation. Why? Because <laughs> she like owns the account. Why does your friend's wife manage your Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> it's just because like they have the account. So like we share the account. Speaking of account, really, she's like, like, it's not like a Netflix account. It's free to have an Amazon account, dude. No, it's like fucking Eighty dollars a year or whatever. Prime is is Prime, dollars. Amazon oh. Prime. Yeah, come on, scrub. Like you think like. <laughs> anyway, I freak out, and then I realize I ordered it on TCG Player, and I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, "I'm just a go. fucking idiot." Oh, she was yeah. like looking at it. She's like, "I don't see anything. I don't have any emails of cancellations of anything." I was like, "They took my money!" <laughs> and then I went and I looked at my credit card statement and saw that I paid, you know, TCG Player. And I was like, "Oh." Just kidding. That's like when Mike and I went to MagicCon Philly. It was like four days before. And we were like, yeah, like all our plans are final. Can't wait to go. And I was like, let me take a quick look and find that hotel registration confirmation. <laughs> and I couldn't fucking find it. <laughs> I couldn't find it. So I call the hotel and I'm like, hey, uh, do you have a registration under this name? And they were like, uh, no, we don't. And I was like, oh, my God, because <laughs> I had booked it all. And I was like, yeah, we're good to go, dude. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm going for this convention. And they're like, OK, they were really awesome. I forget the hotel, but they were great. They were like, OK, well, we'll call the convention coordinator and like figure it out. Like two hours later, they call me back and they were like, we talked to the convention coordinator and your reservation is with a different hotel. And <laughs> And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh sorry, I'm stupid. Mm, and then I nice. called that hotel and they were like, yep, you're fine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> nice. Fucking nice. Slay. Mike, did you crack anything good in your collector booster packs? No, just complete garbage. I got oh, uh, you, you got collector booster packs? I did. Yeah, dude. I got two boxes of them. You one, one of which has not shown up yet. One of okay. which has not shown up yet. That's you good. got that one I ordered boxes? Through. I thought you yelled me. at me too and Don't told me to not me. to do as do I this. Do as I say, not as I do, Tony. This is very <laughs> obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was particularly funny when I was giving you shit about ordering them. Oh my God. <laughs> I got two, two in the bank. Yeah. Um, one of them showed up. I ripped it all in a flurry. Um <laughs> And I got a couple of the things I wanted. I got like a delighted halfling. I got a bunch of the altered art lands. I got Helm's Deep, which what is Mount Doom. I got I Helm's Deep. I didn't get Hel Mount Doom, which is a bummer. I got the Rohan, Rohan, Rohan. Oh God, uh, the Hall Meduseld, uh, the mm. like, which is Castle Ardenvale. And then I got. Oh, I got that one. I got Urborg. Dude, I also got Urborg. I, I got, got all Urborg. three of those. And I got Foil Wasteland, which I'm stoked about. Ooh, yeah. I Crazy. would trade you for that. And I got Great Henge. Uh, oh, so dude, I got I also got a Great Henge. I got what? some I got some nice pulls, but I didn't get anything. Like I didn't get any Bowmasters. I didn't get Mount Doom. I didn't get like a few of the things that I was really excited for in the set. Yeah. So uh, it's okay because I have another box to wait for. I'm so upset that I don't have a box. I'm going to go like buy a box tomorrow. Well, <laughs> my next one isn't supposed to show up until July 17th. Oof. Oh my I'm God. Like, That's fucked I'm up. I'm just sweating over here. 
if that happens to me, I'm gonna have to buy another box. Like I'm, not, I'm gonna have to go to my nearest LGS and just buy a box. I, I got some decent pulls. I got similar lens to you, Mike. I got two Orcish Bowmasters, both full art, one full nice. art foil. Ooh. Um, I got two Merkwood bats, which aren't super expensive yet, but they're they're very good. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how the Nazgul are just shot up to fucking like nine bucks, eleven oh, yeah. to fifteen no, bucks like a piece? Really? Oh my yeah. god! It's the it's just as soon as people realize like, oh, I need nine of these for yeah. a deck, and you need one all the different arts, right? And it has the Shadowborn Apostle. Like, well, kind I of need effect, nine of them know? for the deck I'm building, so like, I'm real upset that I didn't buy them. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I have one. I have one. I have one. What deck are you building, Tony? Uh, I don't know if I want to tell you guys yet. Okay. Well, I might be brewing up the Gollum one. Oh no! So. Don't stop it. Is that <laughs> the one you were gonna do? The scheming guide or whatever? No, the Smeagol one. Smeagol is Smeagol. what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smeagol. Yeah, I have a list, so my dibs are more official. Than I you. also have a list. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't have any cards, Tony. Get back, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> He's just stunned into <laughs> silence. I definitely am building to see yourself out. I already have the commander, so I'm basically oh my God. vastly ahead of you. I, I do have to point out two absolute heaters I got. I did get uh, one of the Elvish text soul rings. Mm-hmm. It's you one... got the Elvish one, too? No. Oh, it's... no, you got the human one. You got it's the, the human ring. Mind. Dude, this happened in a text message... With someone earlier today, it was like an Elvish soul ring, and they're like, "That's the human one." I was like, "It's in Elvish, motherfucker!" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not in human language, clearly. Uh, but yeah, so I got that. It's not serialized, but hey, one in nine thousand. It's like two hundred fifty bucks or something. And then I also got a surge foil for Caracas, which is kind of a joke because I don't play uh, any formats that can use it, but. It seems like it's big money. The price is currently falling. Um, I tried to move it today, but the store owner was like, I got to see where it settles before I'll buy that. But hey, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to try to sell them. I'm still just thinking about how Mike and I are building the same deck. <laughs> uh, you can have it. I'm not going to pay 180 bucks on nine Nazgul. So. Oh, but I Mike, will. yours will be more fun to play against. Yeah, mine will be. Mine actually, well, maybe. No, yours will be <laughs> awful, Tony. You don't know how to make a deck that doesn't make everybody extremely <laughs> tilted. I I have not seen you make a deck that doesn't make a salty. I can't even, I can't even remember. <laughs> Mike, can oh you remember God. a deck that Tony no. made that didn't make Tony it salty? Tony doesn't do that. <laughs> Maybe you guys just need to be uh, better. Uh, the Secret Santa deck that he gave Nick, but that made Nick salty because it was <laughs> dookie. It, was it wasn't trash. <laughs> it oh was my trash. God. <laughs> Compared to you making Sam spill his load over Abdel. Like, <laughs> we, he and I yeah, both were like, we lost. Like, we don't know what we could have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll seed the deck to you, Tony, but if you're running Nazgul in it, you better run Bloodbond March, which is this cool uh, enchantment I found, which is whenever a creature spell is played, each player returns all cards with the same name as that spell from his or her graveyard to play. Ooh. So you can just like cycle your Nazgul back out and shit. So please put that in there. You can have the deck, though, but I don't will. make it bad, please. Oh, he will make it bad. What do you mean? It won't be bad. <laughs> no, be it will be. Deck. It'll be a different <laughs> brand of, of bad. Speaking about decks that are definitely going to make us salty, should we uh, should we talk about some salt here? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let, let's talk about some salt. But Sam, 
What salt, baby? You know well and good what salt is, you fucking asshole. Every deck <laughs> you make, every deck you make is salty, Tony. It's that episode of the month. Love yep. it. It's in the contract. It's that episode of the month where I don't have to define it. Uh, that's not even true. Prismatic Bridge wasn't salty. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you me? fucking kidding me? Is that what are you on about? Yeah. What? Uh, You're just trolling you us. <laughs> we literally just did a Patreon episode about how we hated that deck. Uh, <laughs> oh, <know>. man. <laughs> I love it. I love it how Tony has gone from trying to not make salty decks to just embracing it and kind of like. Well, I don't try to make them salty. I just make them, you know, good. Mm-hmm. oh gosh i don't even know where to start <laughs> uh, i feel like i'm stealing the deck from you now mike <laughs> you're not no you're not you are you can compare notes i'd love to brew it with you i don't need to spend the money to brew it i have plenty i don't have a gold gari deck or anything yet so like it was maybe gonna you know satisfy that slot in the project 32 that i was doing but like it's cool you can take it it's fine <laughs> well i feel like, like whatever my take is probably pretty different than yours i would guess are you doing a bunch of ring tempting and group hug stuff where you try and get people to pull lands out of their deck so that you can mill them no (laughs) (laughs) so like yes (laughs) yeah exactly so okay cool But, but honestly i was focusing more on trying to get tempt loops yeah. Uh, with Gollum. Of course you were. Uh, you and were. just like get like a loop going and just kind of pull it out of nowhere and just like fucking Tony on an aristocrat people. sack loop. Who well, would have seen it coming? Gonna, <laughs> who would have I thought? wasn't gonna it was like my only win con that I wanted to have in it was Mill actually. And then Nazgul I would imagine. So they become pretty big so they would naturally kind of kill people <laughs> like it yeah. would be cool like my intent was it to be like a green black Mill deck which I think yeah. is like fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but then I kept finding like, I, I have a blood chief ascension. So like I have cards that like also are just like good to put in. And like, yeah, I was like, like it probably makes, I was like, it pro- people would probably be less mad if I just have those kinds of effects in because they'll just like kind of die faster and more ra- rather than me trying to do like a mill loop. I think um, you got to put in like some reanimate and stuff. Anyway, Sam, yeah. kick us away. Yeah. Can we focus up guys? <laughs> <laughs> Our first story comes to us from Patreon, and this one comes to us from our buddy Accidental TPK. Hey, up, what dude? a boy. Um, and this one is titled A Little Post Game Chat. We like mm. those. And the story goes I was playing a game with my sister in law yesterday, and I was playing my Mathis Fiend Seeker Pillow Fort Attack Trigger deck, and she was playing Ganax Astral Hunter slash Dragon Cultist. Stompy Dragons. So that's a little uh, background action. Mathis was made to be a deck that politics its way to the final two players and then take out the last player. However, this deck does tend to do well in 1v1, but not great. Overall, the deck is super consistent and it is genuinely fun to play. My sister-in-law's deck is your typical Stompy Dragon deck, and if she has her commanders out, it makes even more dragons. It is one of her strongest decks, and it tends to steamroll over everything when left alone. Beginning of the game, she has a caged sun out and just has the most outrageous mana advantage. I have Mathis and a bounty hunter out, and I'm able to slow her down by taking out her commander over and over. The Mathis deck performed surprisingly well, but ultimately lost to the Dragon Onslaught. The post-game conversation went as follows. Me, that was a surprising game. Sister-in-law, 
Yeah, I was surprised at how well my deck did. Me, what? No, your deck did what it was supposed to do. I was talking about my deck, sister-in-law. Oh, I didn't think I was going to win. Me, you didn't think you were going to win when you had twice as much mana as me and a fuck ton of dragons? Sister-in-law, I guess you're right. Me, you need to have a little more faith in your decks, lol. Just thought this story was a little funny. My sis is a relatively new player. She understands the mechanics and has a good base of understanding of the game, but she struggles a little on threat assessment and has a hard time with more complicated rules. I found the post-game conversation is a useful tool to help those who are only a little experienced in the game, but not brand new, to further their understanding of the game. Don't forget to help out those new players. It makes games more fun for everyone. 100%. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Props to the fact that this is your sister-in-law. I can't envision playing magic with my sister-in-law and i wish i could <laughs> is this a secret sugar break yeah <laughs> a little bit a little bit <laughs> it, it seems like this is kind of a wholesome story yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely yeah we're, we're kind of uh taking the backdoor entrance into a sugar break here but uh but yeah that's wholesome dude this is wholesome as fuck <laughs> i will say it is kind of funny when Someone finishes the game and they're like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Generally, when that happens in our group, it's somebody popped off in like a crazy way. And they're like, oh, that never happens. <laughs> and it's always Tony. Yeah, and oh it's often God. Tony. That's why he's laughing. <laughs> and there is this element of like, you put those cards in your deck. Like, did you not think you were going to play those cards and have crazy shit happen? <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's like particularly interesting when you're taking these four player designed decks and running them in a 1v1 setting too because at least there's a bit more honesty to like huh i didn't expect it to perform that way you know because yeah you are used to it in a different setting with usually you're used to it with more people around to keep you in check and so mm. you you run into more interaction you face more threats and there's just more opportunity for someone else to get ahead as well and to kind of get out the gates quickly so i think that it's a little more reasonable to kind of not know the power level that you're bringing in a 1v1 setting when that's not what your deck is tuned for but it is also funny when you lose to someone they're like huh that was only like a fraction of my power and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) especially those stompy decks i feel like they do sometimes struggle at like higher power tables with four players unless you have some like really crazy advantage engine you know like you're tutoring dragons to your hand, you're cheating cost, um, you're overrunning the board, things like that. But in a 1v1, those decks can just completely overtake. Mm-hmm. You know, like four players, those big stompy decks need to chew through 120 life. 1v1, you just got to crush somebody for 40. Well, that's the thing. Think of it. Most of those things are like a 6-6, six, six, right? So like like at one turn, I swing at Mike. Then the next turn, I'll swing at Sam. Then the next turn, like I'm swinging at Nick. Like... Yeah, you're spreading it around. You're still all at 34, right? Yeah. Like if I do, you know, 18 damage to like one person, it's very different. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This can also give you like a really skewed perspective. I remember Tony and I used to play 1v1 a lot with these decks that we'd built for Commander, Mm -hmm. uh, for four-player Commander. And I had this very 
like that was the only time that my Brian deck could do anything because it's like a fling deck. So the whole point <laughs> is that you're flinging with lifelink and gaining a bunch of life back. So like in that case, that deck could perform really well because you just needed to be flinging things that were slightly bigger than what the other deck could be putting out. Yeah. But then in four player, that that strategy just like didn't work at at that level of table. So I I feel I feel this experience too, but from the flip side a little bit. Yeah, you guys used to play tons of 1v1, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Tony, you and I used to play a lot of 1v1 too. We did. Although, I feel like we played Commander a couple times 1v1, but it, you annoyingly were like getting me back into <laughs> fucking 60 card decks. <laughs> yeah. And it was so stupid because then I was I was like buying shit to like it was it was so to get those play sets, baby. <laughs> yes. But play sets of like fucking expensive cards. Or Ascendants. <laughs> I mean, at the time I had those already. I, I remember buying Arc Like Phoenixes when they were like 17 bucks a pop. And I bought a play set because I was like trying to fuck you up with like some stupid deck. <laughs> and I definitely would have. And I I literally never played uh 60 card game with you again after that when we just started playing commander yep. and it was just over nice. and i was like fucking christ yeah nice. i still have all my 60 card decks from that like era and i sleeve them up out of respect for the decks but i don't think i've ever played them sleeved i think they were always unsleeved <laughs> i very recently took apart a bunch of those decks i think maybe all of them like including some of like the og decks i had made i think one Damn. of them i still kept but because I had like good shit in some of them. I've got like a playset of Primordial Hydras. I got like, I had a playset of um, Green Sun Zenith in there. I was oh like, my there's God. like cards yeah. that are like. Put those in Commander decks. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I, I started a bunch of like. Stone Forge Mystics and like oh my a, God, a core yeah. equipment deck. I still have my core equipment deck together. Yeah. <laughs> 1v1 Commander can be very fun, but it's also, like you guys said, it's really hard to tell like how your deck is really going to perform in that setting you know what i mean yeah i almost think of 1v1 commander as like like an elevated gold fishing of a deck yeah like you are getting a little bit more of that experience with interacting but you're playing a deck that wasn't built to do this it just wasn't built to interact this way so you can't even like take what happens in that and try and tune off of that too because like you would want to keep it set up to go against three players rather than just against one player well it's an interesting thing because sometimes you know kind of like what we're saying in a 1v1 setting all of your interaction is focused on another person right but in a multiplayer setting four players at a table you may have three opponents worth of interaction facing you if your deck is tilting enough or or if you're in like an arch enemy situation mm-hmm. and then i guess my point is that 1v1 can kind of be like an overestimate of your deck's capabilities, but also an underestimate. Yeah. Depending on how much your opponent is interacting with you and how disruptive their decks are. Interesting. Well, is there assault rating? What do we think? <laughs> no, this is a very sweet story, dude. I would I wish I could play magic with my sister. I it would be a ton of fun. I think I think the salt here is like figuring out how to explain to someone that just beat you that you think that they should be evaluating it as obvious that they would win like that that's the part of the story that i think had had some salt baked into it like tpk here was like you know i i wish she had better threat assessment like i felt like blown out by this you know early (laughs) that's true i was blinded by the sugar 
Yeah. You were blinded <laughs> by the sugar here. There, There is some frustration in like getting smashed by an early caged son and like, yeah. Mike, then, are you saying there's some frustrations in this game? Yeah, there's some frustrations <laughs> in the game. Thankfully, it sounds like what you're harping on is the playgroup dynamics. <laughs> but the game itself here, I think, is is where the actual salt is. But Tony, what are you doing over there, dude? What are you What are you looking at on your computer? I'm not tweeting? looking at anything. What do you mean? Why are you yelling at me? Can you? Can Why you, is this happening? Can you close that window and engage a little more? I'm engaging. <laughs> I can tell you're like deck building or shopping right now. Yeah, I bet that's he's definitely buying, not happening. I bet he's oh buying God. the Nazgul he needs. I'm not. I'm not. He's <laughs> so guilty. I should be, but I'm not. If you wear glasses. I can kind of see what you're looking at. I know that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give us another one. All right. Yeah, let's move on to another one. This next one comes to us from Gmail. It's one of our Gmail submissions. And this one comes to us from our friend Cameron. And the post is titled, Was I Being Too Technical? And the story goes, Hey guys, longtime listener here. I wanted to ask if y'all could weigh in on how technical we should be with the rules when playing Commander. Extremely technical, Cameron. (laughs) Yes, to be our answer. (laughs) I was at my LGS yesterday for casual Tuesday night commander and was playing against a Rayhan and Yoshimaru backgrounds deck. Super spicy build. I was on Raph, Weatherlight, Stalwart, Tokens, and Control, and my opponent's commanders weren't really relevant. Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, right. Get fucked, other opponents. <laughs> Rayhan player had 10 or so plus and plus encounters on her and had Yoshimaru in a branching evolution and Kodama of the West tree out. Lots of power on board. They swing both commanders at me while I have open mana and a full grip of cards. I couldn't block both commanders, only one, so I popped Rayhan with the swords to plowshares. Here's the problem. The Rayhan player attempted to move the counters onto Yoshimaru. I know this would have worked with the old commander rules, but I think the new rules are different. New rules have commanders hitting the zone they get removed to, then they go to the command zone as a state-based action. In that tiny moment in exile, all of the counters fall off Rayhan before she goes back to the command zone. And she didn't die, so her death slash command zone ability wouldn't trigger. If I'm correct, I would have been able to block Yoshimaru and live, but the Rayhan player was insistent that's not how it worked. I tried to argue my case and even pointed to the rulebook 603.4 and 603.6, but was overruled by the table because that's not how Rayhan is intended to work. I promptly died to Yoshimaru commander damage. Tried not to be salty, but I found a different table for the rest of the night because I think rules are important. Was it being too technical? Would it matter if we were playing CDH or casual? Perhaps the most important question, was I even right about the ruling? Thanks for your awesome work, Cameron. All Interesting. right. Let's fucking take it to the to the cards here. I, Let's I gotta consult read the rules too. So it is an interesting thing, especially because it's impacted by a rules change that happened at one point, as uh, Cameron described here. And prior to the rules change, when your commander was killed or would move zones from the battlefield, you could, I think, as a replacement effect, put them into the command zone. And now the ruling, as Cameron rightly points out, is that 
when it would change zones, it changes zones. And then I think as a state-based action, you can choose to move it into the other zone that you want it to go in, as in the command zone specifically. So there's no chance to interact at that point, but it does move into the zone that it was going to get sent to. And this had, as this post points out, major implications for like every commander that deals with the graveyard, especially, and with dying. So there used to be some weirdness with like Elenda the Dusk Rose, who has a death trigger and is a commander where she makes a bunch of tokens when she dies. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that when that happened, you had to then leave her in your graveyard in order to send her to the yard and, and get those tokens. But then they adjusted that rule set it was in some ways more intuitive about how it works of it goes to the zone it goes to and you just get to move it, but in some ways more complicated. To talk a little bit about what the post is saying here and the question of how technical should you be with the rules. In my mind, these are things that you should be very technical about. If someone wants to be explicit about uh, interaction on like the intent of how the commander should work, you would maybe want to bring those things in advance. Uh, I do think that it's a little odd, like in the middle of one of these situations to try and be a stickler for it. Uh, and if you've gone so far as to look up the rules, I think you should just stick with what the ruling says. So it's yeah, a bummer that the table overruled you there. The other thing I would say is sometimes in a case like this, I try to allow like a little bit of a walk back. It doesn't line up so much here, but I find in a casual setting, if someone has any kind of rules misunderstanding, uh, that had led them to make a decision, you mm -hmm. like let them take that decision back in order to like make that decision while knowing how the rules are actually going to interact with it. So it doesn't help here, but those are sort of the the limits for where I would let people be a little fuzzy on the rules. I don't think this is one of those cases though. I think I think it's kind of frustrating that people saw what the answer was and decided to ignore that. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's really irritating that the whole table agreed with this like intent of the card versus the actual rules. Um, and now I have looked up some things. Thank you for, for uh, continuing the dialogue. <laughs> Thank you for vamping. Um, but first of all, I totally agree with what Mike is saying. Like maybe in these situations where you have a situation where someone is like, I think the card works this way. And you're like, eh, it actually doesn't like, let's walk it back. Maybe you change your decision here on how you, you do things. Maybe you don't swing at me. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I put the Source of Plasters <laughs> back in my hand. Don't swing at me, dude. Um, but you're 100% correct in how this did work. So let me read Rayhan really quick. Rayhan, last of the Abzan, is a legendary creature, human warrior, for one, a black and a green, and it is a 0-0 zero, zero with partner. Rayhan, last of the Abzan, enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. Whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature. Yoshimaru is a white dog that has partner and gets plus one plus one counters as legendary things are played. I'm not going to read it. It's not super relevant, uh, but this is a, a partner pairing. So Rayhan specifically says when a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone. Now that is directly from the battlefield, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, when, when Rayhan is put into the yard, it sees the number of plus one plus encounters on it. Those get put on another creature. If for some reason it's put back in the command zone directly from the battlefield, like uh, what is that 
what is that blue instant that does that? Oh like, yeah, there oh, is yeah. one that bounces things I directly. Know what you're to talking about. Yeah, I th- we talked about it in our episode where we talked about uh, Uriel the Mist Stalker. Either way, it's like Commander Vacuum. Oh, it's Commander Vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Power Vacuum? I think it's Commander. Uh, oh yeah, maybe something like that. Either way, there are some very few spells that put things directly back in the command zone. Uh, but this is a card that was impacted by this rules change. Like it is kind of a known thing that Rayhan is just a little bit worse now that there's that rules change. Right. Because in the past, like when this card was printed, it is true that if it was exiled, it would get exiled directly into the command zone. Yep. And then those counters would be movable. It never hits the zone. It's like a like a replacement effect right. almost. Uh, so this could even, even be a situation where this player built the deck. Like they not not necessarily because it has Yoshimaru in it, but you could imagine a player that built the deck with Rayan as, as the commander, never followed like the rules changing out from under them and then sits down to play it and is like, oh, that's actually not how the deck works anymore. Yep. So it's a tough situation. The new effect is unequivocally, if it's exiled, Rayhan will not trigger. And then it'll go into exile. All the counters on it go away. Then it moves into the command zone. And there's just nothing to place on other creatures. So, you know, to, to get to the, the other questions here. One, yes, you were right about the ruling. Two, were you being too technical? And does it matter if you're playing CDH or casual? I mean, if you couldn't tell by now, we're pretty firm believers of upholding the rules at any power level at any table mm-hmm. i think these are kind of like teachable moments uh if i can get like kind of cheesy with it <laughs> where you know some people just genuinely don't know how those cards interact and i think if you're running a rayhan deck having knowledge of yeah. this rule is extremely critical yeah <laughs> to definitely. how well you run this yeah like, that's like the salty part to me is that this player is going to walk around and continue trying to play yes. with their commander getting exiled mm-hmm. and moving all the counters around if you're running this deck i highly recommend you fill it with sack outlets that, that's what you need if someone hits you with an exile effect you're like sweet i'm gonna sack my rayhan now get the death trigger move those counters and i'm good to go yeah Knowledge of the rules informs deck building. I mean, it's it's not like a crazy thing to say since since yeah. that's just how like the game is played. But you really do need to have that um, that basis of knowledge, especially when you're playing a commander that interacts with like fiddly rules like this. Like you mm-hmm. really need to have that shit on lock. Yeah, I feel like I'm curious what the board state was at the time of like everybody else, and if it and like just more knowledge of like the game itself. Like, was it a slog? Was it long? Were people kind of like, I see this as an out. And so they like sided with it as like a way to maybe end the game sooner. Or if they truly felt mm. it was, you know, the spirit of the format that they were attempting to invoke, you know, for <laughs> yeah. like where they like landed on that spectrum. Cause it that's is a good like, question. It, it feels so obvious. Like, why would they? It's like, no, that's just not the rule anymore. Like, why would yeah. everybody be like, oh, this is the intent? I would assume and maybe even almost hope that as opposed to like turning a blind eye to the rules, it's more of like, let's end this game. Like, <laughs> I just want it to be over kind of a vibe. Um, Cameron was playing a control deck, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he'd counted everyone else's stuff a little bit too much. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm fucking over it. <laughs> yeah, th- this is frustrating for me. I really am a stickler for the rules in every game I play and will hold to rules to a detriment. Like mm-hmm. if I find out a rule is like bad for me or if I see somebody doing something wrong 
in my favor, I will correct them because I don't, I never want to have a win where I knowingly was aware of some rules infraction and I didn't mention it. And it led to me like winning the game. Like I just, I can't stand that shit. Yeah. And Mm. honestly, I'm glad that Cameron found a different group to play more with because to me, if there's a group that wants to forego the rules, the rules, it becomes, it (laughs) becomes a bit of like it, a truly slippery slope. Like where, where are you allowing these bends of the rules to go on? Like, it's like, well, the intent of my commander is for me to win. So I think, yeah. uh... <laughs> right. I just, I have a hard time with people being like, eh, let's let it happen. Like, or maybe you like house rule it and say, okay, just for this game, it works that way because yeah. they didn't know or something like I could maybe see some compromises like that, but just full on saying, well, the commander's supposed to work this way. That's just that it's just not someone i want to play with at that point yeah. i feel like the yeah. scenarios in which that happens to me it's mostly like uh the board state is so complex and it's so far back to walk it back that i'm like mm-hmm. it's literally not worth it like but this isn't even a walk back this no, is and just that's, an that's interpretation saying, like, of what's happening right now no 100 percent. like yeah. I, i'm just saying the type of scenario in which i i find that that happens to me because i've definitely done that been like whatever this is how it works now is those scenarios where it's like a bunch of game actions have happened to walk it back would be painful. And I'm just like, I just want it to be over. And that's almost like why I was, I, I feel like maybe that's like where the rest of the folks were at. Yeah, but again, it doesn't really reason. feel like that was like the setup yeah. for this, but that's the type of state that I feel like I see it in. Sometimes there are situations where the table doesn't know the correct ruling, but one person mm. feels one way, one other person feels another way. And then, you know, maybe you come to some kind of compromise and like figure it out and look it up after the game. Obviously, that's clearly not what what's going on here. Cameron was like, "No, these are the rules, and let me cite these rules to you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the other people still denied it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's a frustrating one for sure. Here, so we've been talking about it, but what's what's the salt rating here? This is maximum salt for me. Just yeah. about, <laughs> just about like this pod gaslit him into thinking that this is not how this commander is supposed to work. And they're walking away, letting this malfeasant get away with like <laughs> bullshitting their way into a ruling for their commander. And they're going to continue abusing this false rule until like they get called on it in some other setting. Like, I don't know what's ever going to fix this for this Rayhan player. Uh, Mike, they're actually invoking <laughs> the spirit of the format. So, you know, they're right and mm-hmm. you're wrong. And I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm a fucking ghostbuster for the spirit of the format, dude. I fucking trap <laughs> that shit. Trap that shit in a box. <laughs> yeah, this is maximum salt for me too. To have that situation where, like you're saying, Mike, the table is just not playing the game right. Like yeah. this like rule, like, oh, it's intended to be this way. Yeah, but the rules fucking change, man. Yes, this card was designed in a setting where the rules were different. I acknowledge that. I agree. But the rules changed. They're different now. Mm. Uh, some commanders are better. Some commanders are a little bit worse in this new setting. Like you have to play by the rules of the game. If a card gets banned and you just keep playing it and you're like, well, the intent is that I that I can play Hull Breacher in this game. People probably won't like that. <laughs> like, like, where do you draw the line once you start changing the rules? You know, you're yeah. like, well, all yeah. my lands tap for two. That's the intent. And 
there is like a rule zero in Commander. There's very much this space for people to interpret the rules. And that applies to, I think, a lot of the pieces that you did just say there of like, totally. if you have a card that you want to play that's banned, people will let that happen. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you, there are these edge case ask, things. You know? Yeah. They're like, I've heard people rule zeroing companion to not have the extra three mana in Commander. Like there are yeah. these things that you can do. There are mm. very reasonable rule zeros that you can have, but if your deck is predicated on a change from the actual rules to function, you need to be upfront about that. And it's on you to like check in with the group before playing like, Hey, are you going to be okay with me using this interpretation of the rules? Or like I did this in this deck cause I thought that was cool or interesting. I think it's going to be a really hard sell on this Rayhan deck. Like, yeah. Hey, do you guys mind if like also it works if she gets exiled? <laughs> yeah. I think people are going to be like, no, so yeah why why would i allow that like, yeah <laughs> would you let somebody companion the old way maybe i, w- I would I be wouldn't. more open to it <laughs> I, I would wouldn't. be more open to it i don't think i would I'd definitely but... be like no so like real talk quick aside about the whole rule zero thing i think it's good that those rule zero discussions can exist for me rule zero is more about like trying to align power levels with people. I almost prefer like pregame discussion than like the rule zero discussion terminology. Mm -hmm. The rule zero so often I hear people be like, oh yeah, like you can rule zero that like rule zero two random commanders as like partner decks and stuff like that. Or rule zero, you know, a silver border commander and play it in like a regular game. Depending on the setting, I might be down to face that stuff, but generally like, I'm playing magic because I want to play by the rules. And if someone is like, hey, I'm going to rule zero. Could I use this band commander? Like Pat did this one time. He was like, what if I played Rafelos and made like a Rafelos deck? I was like, I probably wouldn't want to play against it. It's not because I have anything against Pat. It's because I fucking hate you, Pat. You suck, Pat. <laughs> it's not because I have Who anything against Pat. Who said that? said that? Mike, that was so rude. <laughs> it, it's just because those are the rules of the game to me. And I do think that like the rule zero clause that kind of like well you could just rule zero it well you could just rule zero it i think that gets thrown around way more that it's really feasible in the real world like out in the wild if you sit down you're like hey i'm i have a partner deck and i'm partnering together uh you know these two like random non-partner commanders i think most people will probably say no a small amount of people will be down for one game against that deck and then maybe some like close friends who are doing similar shit would really be down for it. But that stuff really only stands up in like tight play groups that are looking to like experiment and do weird stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more of like a fixed play group thing where you're like, yeah. okay, we're all going to do this one thing. We're all going to break this one rule at the same time or something like that. But I think it's a hard thing to, and I hear a lot of creators do this and I'm sure we have done it too, where it, it's like a hard pill to swallow to be like, well, you can just rule zero it because you have to put the time into building that deck and then to bring it to an LGS and have every single person in that LGS be like, no, I don't want to play against your weird partner commander deck or, or you know, your weird rule zero thing. I just want to play like the normal game that we all came here to play. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like having a little soapbox moment. I just think that that gets like thrown around too much and that realistically, it's not a solution for bending the rules outside of like very tight play groups. Mm-hmm. I, I think you walk into an LGS with some like weird funky brew maybe some people will want to play against it but most people won't yeah yeah you guys heard it here sam doesn't want you to have any fun 
outside of anything in this goofy format you know only the rules people <laughs> only the rules fuck off otherwise am i the only one who gives a shit about the rules <laughs> especially you pat go fuck yourself anyway, i love you pat uh yeah tony how do you feel about this uh, like the rule zero thing no i think that's sort of the tangent i mean about this this uh rayhan situation or, or the rule zero thing nah yeah you're right i said it perfectly there's no way to add on to nothing can be nothing additional can be added to that (laughs) yeah i don't think i have anything like crazy beyond it to add right it's like you're just you're just not following the rules like it reaches the point where like then why bother you know yeah like i get it like that was the intent probably in some ways because that's how the rule used to work when they made it but that changed and like you could say it's in like the spirit of it that like when it hits the graveyard, it moves the counters. But then when you instantly move it to the command zone, it also moves the counters because it's like weird state based bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm getting, you know, yeah, a I'm bunch of counters, counters instead. Yeah. yeah. Like I could say whatever the fuck I want at that point. It's like this is how I think it was intended. The most interesting thing is like I feel like we have had a conversation. I can't say a, a moment, but I do think we've had moments when we didn't know the rules yeah and we were like this is what we think is intended by it and like made a call in the moment Mm -hmm. but like again when you actively know that somebody knows the rules or you're just like no it's like i don't know the one other thing i could imagine as sort of like a a fix for the situation a little bit would be if this table is really gonna insist on playing this bastardization of the rules then you should at least be able to change your blocks and your targeting of your of your removal spell at the at the yeah, very totally. minimum like okay if you're gonna play with these made-up rules then at then least let me, let me do kind of the grace that we were talking about earlier of like yeah if you don't understand the rules in this case the wrong rules if you don't know the wrong rules like then you should be at least able to play with the interpretation of the rules that the table is playing with <laughs> so yeah i i hope yeah. at least you know it, it would be hard to see that in that moment because at least personally i'd be so flustered of like what do you mean yeah. this you're we're not going to use the rules I, i'd probably just like scoop and panic and walk away same dude but. i'd be so pissed i feel like it's like a like a short step away from like fucking summer camp schoolyard rules where people are like like i remember playing pokemon in elementary school and people were like well i put 10 energy on this creature and it gets plus 100 power for every energy i put on and i'm like that's not how the game is played and everyone yeah. was like yeah it is and then they just beat me and i was like you're not fucking playing the right game. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Sam had no friends. <laughs> Fuck you, Tony. You're my friend. <laughs> not in middle school, though. Dissing yourself, dude. You would have loved me in middle school. I was cool. I definitely would have. <laughs> no, I wasn't cool, folks. <laughs> I know that, and that's why I would have loved That's why we would have liked each other. <laughs> <laughs> we would have gotten along. <laughs> anyway, should we do another one? Yeah, let's do one last one. Let's round it out. That was a good one. That was a rich was vein, a folks. That, that was, was a rich that vein. That got me salty, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling the burn. I'm like, I'm I'm mad. I want to write to that LGS. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one is another Gmail submission. And this one comes to us from our friend Nate. And the post is titled, Probably Justified Salt. Hmm. Well, we'll be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> You shall be judged. (laughs) And the story goes, Hey there, here's a salty story from about eight months ago. I had been playing Magic for a couple of months and took my first Commander deck I built to the local gaming store. 
It was a $100 budget Mizics of the Is Magnus theft deck that I've since retired because I realized it's a Turgrid deck hiding in Is It Colors. <laughs> <laughs> Once Mizics gives enough counters, you spend 50 mana a turn, draw as much as you want, and steal or counter literally everything for the rest of the game. But I was new, and I didn't realize how brutal that was. It was my only deck, and I had built it without EDH Rex, so I was really proud of it. I was in a three-player game with a guy playing Essica God Tribal, Prismatic Bridge. I was like, what is that deck? It sounds familiar. <laughs> you know that commander on the other side you know of the, the Prismatic other side, Bridge? You know. <laughs> uh, and another guy playing some Sultai commander. The dude playing Sultai is one of those guys who had been playing for 25 years and has a giant collection. At some point in the mid-game, the Essica player tries to counter the Sultai player, and a counter war ensues. After about two counters from each... Sultai player puts a pack of negation on the stack. I decide to butt in and counter that. I figured if he was willing to pay five on his upkeep for it, then it's worth countering. The Sultai player then strip mines one of my basic lands, plays a Crucible of Worlds, and promises to remove all of my blue sources for the rest of the game. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. That, that is some salt, man. Fast forward a few turns. Sultai player makes a ton of mana with squandered resources by sacrificing all of his lands and casts a villainous wealth targeting Essica. The entire time he's doing this, he's complaining that I'm just going to counter it. So I Aether snatch his villainous wealth. He instantly scoops and goes off for several minutes about counter magic and how he couldn't do anything the whole game. I calmly remind him that he is the one playing green, which is a trash color for trash people. <laughs> okay, maybe I didn't say that last part, but I sure thought it. His salt was probably justified. My deck was degenerate, but I don't play with him anymore because he's complained in every game I have sat down with him in. So that's mm -hmm. it. Signed, Nate. Nice. Yeah, some people just want to complain. What does Aether Snatch do? Is it like a Narset's reversal kind of thing? Um, Aether Snatch, it's an instant for four and two blue. And it's this gain control of target spell. You may choose new targets for it if that spell becomes a permanent entrance of battlefield under your control. And Villainous Wealth, for the folks that don't know, mm. Villainous Wealth is a Sultai spell. It costs X, a black, a green, and a blue. It's a sorcery. Target opponent exiles the top X cards of their library. You may cast any number of spells with converted mana costs X or less from among them without paying their mana costs. It's a really dope, dope spell. It's like a win con. Yeah, it's a win con. You you cast it for big, big mana. Look at 10 cards, cast everything 10 mana or under. Um, generally, it's like either a win con, maybe a little win more, but turns the tide in your favor. So what do you think about this? I guess the question in the post title is this justified salt? No. I don't think so. No. Also, they're running counters. So yeah. how are they out here <laughs> yeah. complaining about people running counter magic? And they're also running free counters. Like they're running packed mitigation and stuff. Yeah. But it sounds like they're just bad at picking what they want to have counter wars over. Like just let that stuff get countered and yeah. keep up your interaction for when it matters. And this is a $100 Mizzix deck going against this and this person's playing pact indigation which is like 40 dollars on its own yeah yeah but i will say to the mizix player you don't need to counter the pact you can just 
let them get time walked. If they're in a counter war, let the pact resolve countering the counter and then counter the initial thing that they were casting. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just really escalate the salt here. I'm saying that's the pro move. When, when there's a pact on the stack, you want the pact to resolve. And then you put something on the stack and hit the original target. So the packs still resolve and they still have to pay that tax. That that's, yeah. that's the way to play yeah. around. Packs. So uh, if you do ever decide to play with this guy again, make sure to do that. Uh, yeah, to really ratchet it up here. But it's so funny, like just the hypocrisy of it. Like they're getting in a counter war, and then you counter one thing, and they're like, "Fucking counters are bullshit." <laughs> also, they're strip mining well, yeah. fucking basic yeah. lands, which I do kind of love the they strip mine the islands. But like, <laughs> but yo, if somebody was like Sam, I can't believe you countered my spell. I am gonna strip mine you for the entire game until you have no blue sources and then on their next turn they cast a villainous wealth on me i'd be like yeah fuck you you've created like you just threatened me and now you're gonna (laughs) like kick me while i'm down like i'm i'm gonna counter this shit (laughs) but also with like a six mana counter spell (laughs) yeah well not even a counter i'm taking your spell actually thank you (laughs) the thing is that aether snatch was the right move in that in that moment Villainous mm-hmm. Wealth is such a good card. And if this person pumped a bunch of mana into it, like that is the spell to steal, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes when and we Aether talk Snatch about like... also had the flavor text in that moment, you make one target player concede. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, the flavor text on Aether Snatch is you were saying. So that's really <laughs> Is it really? That's yeah. so good. Oh my God. Counter me anyway. You were saying. That is really, really funny. I fucking hate those kinds of things, but like, <laughs> I feel like I need to, what is it? It's four colorless and two blue. Yep. Yep. Game I can put it in Rafine and then oh. like anytime <laughs> I could just like say, I'd, I'd never have enough mana to play that. In that yeah, deck. that's true. I mean, you know, just take, just play Narset's reversal for four But it does not mana. have the flavor text. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But I will say like, with Aether Snatch, and I, I, we've talked about this before with, uh, you know, Mana Drain and things like that. Like, the right time to play spells like that is against some huge, beefy spell that's coming at right. you. You can toss a Narset's Reversal on a removal spell and kind of delay that a little bit. But, like, to truly take control, to do a six-mana investment on a spell, to take control of another target spell, you want it to be a juicy target. If you're going to Mana Drain something... You want it to be some big juicy target where you could use that man on your next turn. Aether Snatch is no different. Mm-hmm. This player points out that their Sultai opponent was just always complaining about stuff. Like there are people that just do that. And there are people that that's part of the enjoyment that they get from the game. Like they just want to get out there and complain about stuff. Yeah. And like <laughs> that's how they interact with things. That's not my flavor of fun when I'm playing Magic or really anything. Like, I don't really just want to hear complaints about it the whole time. Like, But you keep playing with us every single week, Mike. <laughs> yeah, but you guys are complaining about each other, not about the game. So, <laughs> the player complaining about the game. Yeah, there is kind of like a thing about complaining about like a core piece of the game. Like, counterspells just exist. It's a core piece of the blue color identity. Yeah. And I get it. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to spend your resources on something and have it immediately taken out of your hand before it hits the board. But it's no different than casting a creature, having it land, and it gets like 
swords to plowshare on your end step or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're still in a situation where you're losing control of those resources you spend. You're losing the thing you spent it on before you can really use it. But for some reason, I do think that there's like a psychological thing where counters are so much more of a fuck you than just removing something immediately. Yeah. Well, cause it's somebody else telling you, you can't play magic, but I feel like it's, it's more frustrating when it's something that doesn't deserve it. Like that deserved it. Like, yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. win in that moment. Like yeah, anything that deserves, like if I play a spell and I'm going to win the game, I'm still mad about it. I'm salty, but I'm like, ah, you got me. Like, yeah. yeah. Fair and, enough. and if I can take control of your game winning spell and I win the game, that's just really good target prioritization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is a great move. Like do it, man. Yeah. So what do we think about the salt rating here? It's pretty salty. I, I think anytime someone goes on like a tirade like that, it's just like, I don't know. It 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 kind of makes my skin crawl. And I've been that person before. And man, I feel the guilt afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for, for someone to not only be so salty where they're like, I'm going to blow up all of your fucking lands to then go even beyond that to instant speed scoop and deny them the resolution of their, uh, their Aether Snatch and then to say that they're like never going to play with them and just like rail on them and stuff like that. There's so many layers of the classic salty complaints in this post. Yeah. Where it's just, it's just oversalted full shaker overfilling yeah. shaker full shaker. I think that to answer the core question here, no, this is not justified salt. Like you're allowed to be a little salty about getting your stuff countered. But you don't need to jump immediately to strip mining yeah. all of their basics. You don't need to then try and hit them with a huge game winning spell. Like this is not overall a justified approach to fair retribution here. If you're gonna strip mine a basic though, at least let it be an island. I do agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> fair. It, uh, it is funny because I feel like this type of counter spell situation happens in almost every single CDH game I've ever played in where you're like in a counter spell war with somebody. And then you finally like, you're like, sweet, the stack is going to resolve. And then a third or fourth player just pokes their head and they're like, Oh, I'll just stop it now. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. You know, cause that's always the person with the one piece that they're like trying to hold off on using. Yeah. It's Luffy. He's got the one piece. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking nerds. <laughs> Is it that time of the week? <laughs> yeah, it's that time of the week. <laughs> but what time is it, Sam? It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Mike, 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 Mike. The salty card of the week this week is a special one. It's orcish. It's been master. one salt since you looked at me. <laughs> something, something, something. Tell me, salty card. Let's <laughs> go. Nice. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for that. Thank you. What was the salty card again? It's a special. Uh, So this is not off of the top 100 salty cards. I'm breaking that tradition to bring a little extra special salt from the newly released set. And it is Orcish Bowmasters. It is one Mm. and a black for a creature orc archer. It's a one one. It has flash and it has... Sam, thank you for holding up the visual aid for the (laughs) listeners. Sam is holding up a a copy for us. (laughs) Flash, when Orcish Bowmasters enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a 
card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, Orcish Bowmasters deals one damage to any target, then amass orcs one, which either creates a 0-0 orc token with a counter on it or puts additional counters on that existing orc army. Yep. So uh, what do you think, guys? Tony, does this seem like a salty card to you? You know, I can't remember. Is, is this one of the ones they're talking about, like, banning but not banning because like the only thing that would make me salty about this is if they fucking banned it (laughs) (laughs) yes so that that's it's a good question fair enough i forgot again that tony doesn't have twitter and hasn't been exposed to like two (laughs) weeks of people railing on this card quick aside in our business voice chat earlier we had like a big chat with tony where we were like maybe you could join twitter tony and like be a little bit more plugged into the community and he's like "Ah, i don't think i need to uh but also who are all these people you guys are hanging out with <laughs> you you could also play in the playground and make some friends tony oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are supposed to be my friends and bring me along <laughs> here's here's our friend tony he can't talk to people yeah. but he's here <laughs> but he plays good magic well, well can't even let's, yeah, let's for you on that oh my god so. you guys are fucking trash <laughs> so so yeah so this that's a great question for additional context this is a card that even the rules committee has come out and said like hey we have our eye on this card people have been clamoring for a ban for this card Mm -hmm. people are saying it's broken that it's toxic for casual edh that it's going to be format warping for cdh that it needs to go oh my god fucking stop crying i will say i believe this is my time of the discuss (laughs) well let me someone who actually knows the context provide a little bit more um (laughs) 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 so it's like you're saying mike there is a group that is like very cautious with it is like hey we should consider a ban keep your eyes on this and then there's another group who kind of like what tony was just saying is like why are we even talking about this? It's only yeah. been out for, it hasn't even been out for like a week. We need more information. It doesn't seem that format warping. How many times does a card come up in the span of uh, of Magic as a whole, or even just Commander, where people are like, this needs to be banned right now. And then six months later, everyone's like, oh yeah, no one plays that card. Yeah. 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 So I do feel like the only thing that'll make me salty about it is if it gets banned. Because I like, like, is it super powerful? Yeah. But you know what? Like, yes, there are 100% decks that will purposely abuse it. But I also think there's going to be more decks that can use it as like a tool against those decks that are wheeling all the time and doing that kind of stuff. Like, again, totally. Like, there's the Nekusars and those types of decks where they're trying to do it anyway. It's one more tool for them, whatever. But like, there's plenty of blue decks that are just like doing this on a whim. And I think it's interesting in CDH. If like I play mostly blue songs in uh, CDH. And so it's like interesting to me to have a tool to like do something. I feel so mm-hmm. crippled in a lot of those scenarios when I am playing that it's like, I can't do anything. They're going to wheel. I'm going to lose my hand. The two pieces of interaction I have. And like, I'm just going to have to hope that like I can do something. Yep. And it feels like a fun way for me to like gain an element of interaction. And it's just like, it's LOTR, baby. They're just like, let it let it fly. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Sam, what do you think? Um, I think the true saltiness of this card remains to be seen. I think yeah. we really need to see how it plays. Specifically, I'm thinking about the CDH meta. Yeah. 
you want to watch as it kills every creature on the board <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think we need to see how often it shows up i think the true salt of this card lies in a wheel deck like tony was saying you know and, and like how a lot of people are saying like this might be kind of like hull breacher where it's the resurgence of like these toxic wheel decks where everybody's just running wheels because why not because you get this crazy value I will say something that you mentioned, Tony, uh, or, or kind of hinted at, is that this can be used defensively too. And that's kind of one of the things that a lot of people are pointing to about the sort of impact of this card on the meta, because the best response to an Orcish Bowmaster is another Orcish Bowmaster. Mm. And it kind of becomes this thing where like, is it going to lead to this prevalence of the card where it's just in every deck and it's very format warping again i'm talking about cdh here i don't think you're ever going to see this in every deck in casual um and i do think that there will be casual decks that run this and run wheels and it's going to be a very very unpleasant game experience for some people not quite to the same degree as hold breacher but similar mm -hmm. the benefit of this thing is that it's a one one and you can interact with it again Dice to interaction, dice to doom blade is kind of a stupid uh, uh, argument. This one doesn't die to it doom. It doesn't die to doom blade. Yeah, I know, but but just black, die, but... dice to doom blade <laughs> being that like general the meme, interact yeah. with it more kind of meme. Mm. Um, and I do think that that's like a pretty limp noodle of an argument. But at the same time, like it is a weak body. The problem is that it's coming in at flash speed and generally getting flashed in when it's going to give some immediate value. A big draw spell is on the stack, whether it's a wheel or, you know, even just a harmonize might like put some decent damage out. That's going to put four damage out. A brainstorm is even going to put four damage out because uh, it hits the ETB and then one for each card draw. So like the potential for this card is extremely, extremely high. How warping is it going to be in casual? I think that remains to be seen. CDH, I'm on the lookout. I will tell you one thing though. Orcish Bowmasters fucking dies to Marath. We know. Nice. <laughs> so the whole meta is going to shift to Marath builds. Yeah, it's just all going to be Marath You heard it decks. here, folks. <laughs> and a Agar sweeper decks. <laughs> all I'm saying is I'm not going to change my Marath deck for this card. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think everything you guys are saying is accurate. The sneaky power of this card really does exist. Like, I do think this is one of the strongest cards we've seen printed in a pretty long time. Um, yeah. Having the ETB one damage is wild. Like, two mana flash, deal one damage to something and make a 1-1 one, one, and the 1-1 one, one body that it's on already. Like, that alone is some pretty decent value. And that's like the absolute floor of the card. Yeah, two mana for two 1-1s one, and you ping a damage out. Right. That's the, that is truly the absolute floor of it. But I don't think it needs to be banned. I do think people are going to find this like roasting casual pods. Like yeah. if someone casts something, I forget what the cards are in casual, but there's a plenty of ways of like drawing cards equal to the largest power that you have or something or drawing cards yep. equal to how many creatures you have. <laughs> like yeah. all of those things are going to result in just a ridiculous blowout into a Bowmasters. But I think that this will self-regulate a little bit. Like, it's already pretty expensive. I think this is going to get up to dockside prices pretty quickly. I think it's going to be a similar thing. Like, I think this will be Black's stupidly strong two-drop mm -hmm. in the format. Mostly CDH games, Mostly I CDH. I think it'll become kind of one of those 
those signposts that we say of like, oh, maybe that deck is getting a little stronger yeah. than you're expecting it to. I think people won't put this in everything. And I hope people don't put this in everything because putting this in your deck will increase the power level of it. Isn't that why you want to put it in everything, Mike? Well, it is why you want to put it in everything, but I mean, it's, it should be why you don't put it in everything also. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I don't know if it is truly good in every casual deck, because if you aren't pairing it with some kind of hard card draw, it's purely reliant on your opponent's drawing cards. And often outside of wheels and like force card draw, there is a little bit of play around that. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if someone has a Ristic study and you play a Bowmaster's, don't draw the cards. That sucks. It sucks to not draw the cards. You want to draw them, but mm -hmm. like you do have a choice there, you know? So I yep. do kind of wonder, and even like a risk study in a Bowmaster in a casual game, like you, you know, you're talking about like higher mid power to high mm -hmm. power decks. You know, if you slap this in a pre-con, probably not going to be great. Yeah. So I definitely just got a little salty because I just looked at it to look at the price and it's already double of what it was like a couple days ago when I looked. Oh yeah. What, what is it right now? Just, it's like a 45 is, is that for the base or for the borderless? That's for the borderless, which I would exclusively yeah. buy. What about the borderless foil? Uh, tell me <laughs> I'm all about the board. There's too much borderless shit in this set and I want there really is all I think of it. The foil One is the only other things... like 44 bucks. Oh, 45 wow. bucks. One of the other things that oh, I hey, Sam, did you about... want to? Oh, sorry, Mike. Were you trying to say something? I guess it wasn't trying to say thought. anything. So, like, <laughs> you guys ever can... have like one of those teachers that'll just like wait, like yeah. way too long <laughs> yeah. after they get interrupted, and everyone's just like, and it truly makes you feel bad. Yeah, You're like, oh, it, it's not a joke. I feel like it never made me feel yeah. bad. It made me feel awkward. I was like, oh. But it's because I was never doing it. I wasn't speaking anyway. I was like a good kid yeah. in you know middle school, even. Which I is why Sam and I would have gotten along. So it's you like... fucking suck so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the other things to call out about this card that is like notably different than Hull Breacher, the card that everyone's comparing it to as like wheel hate, basically, is that this doesn't stop you from drawing into the answers for it. That was one of the main problems with Hull mm. Breacher is if you play it and then cast a wheel or play yeah. it people are locked out of trying to find answers for this piece that you just played. In this case, if you play it, you know, your example of playing this into a Ristic study, that Ristic study player should probably take the card because a card is generally worth more than one damage and a plus one, plus one counter That's on true. a creature. Yeah. So like usually this is actually kind of okay, but I think it's people don't like getting punished for drawing cards uh, and this will do that. Well, like, let's compare it to Notion Thief. Granted, Notion Thief costs two additional mana, two colorless, a blue, and a black. But Notion Thief is a 3-1, just as fragile, comes in with flash, and steals additional draws from your opponent. So a very common style of play is to wheel and then Notion Thief. Your opponents have almost no cards in their hand. You have a full fat grip, and you just win the game right there. And yeah. people aren't like, Notion Thief needs to be banned. You know, like, yeah, granted, this is two mana cheaper, but at the same time, it's like this is damage. I, like, I think that's a really, really valid comparison, Mike, because you're not stripping your opponents away from having any cards in their hand, which is what Hull Breacher in a Wheel does, which is what Notion Thief in a Wheel does. Yeah, but you can you can just ask somebody, right? Like, 
I think that's well, more even of then a... you're doing like 20 damage. That's quite a bit of damage, but it's not yeah. 21, 22 in a wheel if you flash it in when you cast you, it. The thing is, you are getting 22 and a 22, 22. I'm not saying it's weak, but I'm saying like it's the difference between maybe damaging one player to the point that they're within lethal or and making a really big fatty that will probably knock somebody out versus completely locking three players out of the yeah, game totally. and getting a fat handful of cards and just probably winning like 21 cards how how deep does the average ad nauseum go goes deep baby yeah. like 15 cards 20 25 cards so yeah. i i think it really is one of those things like let's see where it goes i do think it's going to be an auto include in black decks in cdh and that is where we'll see the most warping of it um there are a lot of cards that i think we're going to start to see played way more often. People were talking about gut shot, the Phyrexian pay two life, deal one damage to something. It's like the red version of Gitaxian probe, basically where it's one Phyrexian red mana instant speed, deal one damage to something. I think surge of salvation also has a lot of legs. It's a one mana instant. You and permanence you control gain hex proof until end of turn. Prevent all damage that black and or red sources would deal to creatures you control this turn. That stops it with one mana. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of like, almost like Veil of Summer effects. I think even Veil of Summer does it. Doesn't that it blue and black? Yep. Veil of Summer also does it. Also just fucking counters. If CDH is a primary place it lives, like blue players will just be like, no. And there's a lot of like low creature count decks that will still be fine. I think we might just like right now we're in such a creature heavy meta with CDH, uh, like creature heavy mid range meta. We might see a shift away from that. Uh, or everybody starts playing Marath Stacks, um, <laughs> moderator of a Discord, by the way. That's really <laughs> what I want. I want every single player to start playing Marath fucking Stacks. That sounds like Dude, a beautiful four hour meta. CDH games. Sounds great. Oh, fucking good. <laughs> all right well that wraps it up for the uh the salty card of the week thanks for playing the special edition here hell yeah thanks mike that was a great special edition salty card and thank you to our listeners out there for tuning into another episode of the howling salt mine if you want more howling salt mine check out our patreon patreon.com slash howling salt mine we have a buzzing discord lots of folks in there it's a really really good time chatting about new cards posting decks chatting about food we like we're just hanging hanging all day it's great we have bonus episodes that come out once a month in our extra salt series we have a short form show called stray grains where it's all the funny tangents that don't make it into the final cut of the show and we're talking about video games we're talking about food we like to eat we're talking about the latest crisis in tony's life it's very very entertaining <laughs> If you have a salty story that you would like to be featured on a future episode of The Howling Salt Mine, email us. Send it to us at our Gmail account, which is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Or you can DM it to us on Reddit, Instagram, Twitter. You can find all of our accounts in our link tree in the show notes. We have merchandise that you can purchase through a bonfire store. Uh, we have our logo shirt. We have our borderless podcast logo shirt. And we have our blue is a trash color for trash people shirt. If you haven't given the show a five-star rating yet, that is something that really does help us out. Uh, it increases our visibility within podcast apps so people can find us organically. And lastly, a huge shout out to our podcast artist, J.D. Burnett, for our amazing podcast art that we love to rock every single week with this show. 
Uh, you can get on a shirt if you want to. If you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit up JD and get a sweet tattoo. He's a great dude. We're definitely going to get there once we get 10,000 subscribers. 10,000 subscribers are bust. Whatever we say that, Mike like purses his lips a little bit and shakes his head. <laughs> I'm going to have to unfollow. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. And as always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, this is our first story. <laughs> it's <is> so sad. <laughs> Mike, I'm, I'm not sorry. sad. It's just late. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only nine. You're, you're going to be up till 2 a.m. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's the point I'm making. <laughs> I know, but it's not. the. I just I still have to. Yeah, it's not the, <laughs> I have to go. I'm already listening to you guys for three hours and now I have to go listen to you guys for another three hours after this. So <laughs> I joke. Just get us with the post. The only one that didn't really do well was Duretti and Obnixless a little bit. Um, because Obnixilis had some like group drain stuff, but you've, you've talked about this at least twice before. Have I? Yeah. I don't mean to, I don't mean to disrupt your flow. Oh no. Arse that mellow baby. Twice. Was it, was it, was it in a Patreon One of them episode? was like two episodes ago. <laughs> Dude, this is bound to happen at some yeah, point. It's, yeah, no, it's fine. It's, uh, I, I held back cause I was like, maybe he'll, this will be a quick aside. And then I was like, <laughs>